All right. Jack, we ready? Dude, I am perfectly ready. <laughs> All right. Here we go. What do we, wait, what are we calling this one, by the way? Is this a, is this a breach of the week? Kind of? No, not really, right? Because this was a this is a a, a Groundhog Day update or uh, <laughs> yeah, but fuck it, Groundhog Day update. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you know, our first annual, yeah, yeah, the the <laughs> inaugural, inaugural, <laughs> beautiful Groundhog Day update. You know, the um, it was for everybody that will listen to this. Having read this story. About a month ago, actually, it wasn't. It wasn't even a month ago. It was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yep. And to think that someone could program an infinite loop into an open source package just feels right to do it on Groundhog Day. <laughs> it perfectly <laughs> does. It perfectly does. Wait, I th- I think we've been in this loop before. You know, it's funny, right? It, it feels like you know, maybe the log four J loop in a different form. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. And it, hang on wait a second. I just, and just, j- just before we start here, you and, you and Holly were just chatting about Punxsutawney Phil. And did, yes. did, can you, can you guys bring me up to speed? So we had, was it Midtown? Milltown Mel. Milltown Mel. Yeah. He's, he's, Milltown Mel is met, is meat. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that is, that is not Punxsutawney Phil. That's right. That evidently is correct. Yes. Yeah. It, it looks like Jersey is trying to export uh, the the groundhog, but unfortunately, it is New Jersey, and uh, it has gone the way of the whistle pig in your own office. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> when you uh, when when you first suggested that that a groundhog was actually a whistle pig. Yep. Like, oh, that's a name I'm super familiar with. And I'm, I'm also <laughs> also versed in killing whistle pigs just in the bottle form. I, I like that. That will that will likely come off of my lips at some point during this podcast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, man. So what are we? Um, so we are talking about. I, I, you know, I, th- I think this is sort of like an open source, do the right thing, do the right funding thing. You know that yeah. kind of message. But as security people realize you can't rely on these things being consistent and of high integrity until the ecosystem that supports them gets better understood. It's just another do your hard work, do your do your diligence as a security person when people are making choices about what to use. Open source is awesome, but understand more about the way it's supported. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, so the, the article that I have here in front of me, which is uh, one that you found, Jack, uh, it's, on, it's off of the register. Yep. Um, written by Thomas Claiborne. Um, but this was the, this story was in the news a couple of weeks back, but it's about uh, two open source packages that were, and I'm using the words of Thomas. So I'm like, I'm using air quotes with my fingers, if you could see me, that were recently sabotaged with mischievous commits creating confusion among those using the software and exacerbating concerns about the fragility of the open source software supply chain. So, so basically the, the don't like too long, don't read version here is that, um, you know, in light of everything that's happened with log four J there's been increased focus on, you know, 
just the the vulnerability and risks that exist with open source supply chain, open open source software. And so, and and we've and we've talked about this before. Basically, the idea is saying there are some people who are incredibly, completely gratuitous with their time, creating these open source software packages. They upload them to GitHub, and they're used freely and openly by, you know, oftentimes organizations with commercial intent. They're going to take the open source software, include it with their commercial product, and they're going to sell it for profit. But in all, all almost all cases, I'd say the let's just say the majority of cases, um, these folks that are creating these open source libraries, software, are not being compensated. They do it out of the goodness of their heart and they do it in their free time. So in this example from the article that we're reading, um, there was a developer, Marek Squires, um, decided to screw with people a little bit for using his, his open source uh, libraries, software, if you will, um, and he basically gave people the middle finger. <laughs> right. Which, right. Which is solid. I rock. If you listen to this, I applaud you. <laughs> but so he, so the story goes, um, he had, there's two, uh, two, two packages, two, two NPM packages. So if you're not familiar with NPM, that stands for node package manager, um, and it is the Node.js default package manager, and it's completely written in JavaScript. Um, NPM is a command line client for Node.js, and it manages all of the dependencies and, and all of the modules. So in this specific case, there's, um, there's two uh, JavaScript, just faker.js and colors.js. Um, they, they were not hacked. They were not hijacked by outsiders. Um, rather, Brock, seemingly as a, an attempt to get attention for his development effort and seemingly like maybe even attempt to get some attention for the purpose of funding. Um, he added, uh, the new American flag module to colors, um, printing in colored text in the developer console and printed the word Liberty multiple times in ASCII flag format. Um, and then went into an endless loop. <laughs> Here we are, Groundhog yes. Day. And then, uh, then uh, Faker Day at Faker JS did the exact same thing. Um, and Faker JS is used for generating fake data for API testing. And and when you basically uh, use that JavaScript, it added the message endgame and replaced me in the and replaced the README file with the question, "What really happened to Aaron Schwartz?" Which is a whole which is a whole different thing. Right. Right on. Right on. So that's her story on Groundhog Day. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's it, Groundhog wise, right? So it was funny when you and I spoke about Log4j, you know, one of my hopes, one of our hopes was that it would raise awareness of how much work is done by these teams that support these widely distributed and used open source packages, right? And in the Log4j example, right, I've been reading accounts of how that team worked like nights and weekends, of course, without pay, to try to fix this. And we're still getting harangued by the grateful public that's been taking advantage of the free tool forever, right? So for all the good work they did, you know, maybe it was a lot of work, maybe they didn't get any money, but at least they had people who were pains in the ass yelling at them for it, 
right? So yeah. here, here's a case where Mark Squires uh, actually has made a couple of statements about how organizations who are big and who could definitely afford to pay should pay. I think it was like, you know, if you're 500,000 or something in size or bigger. And, um, and he had called that out before. And so here, what he chose to do was to sort of poison the well. Now, you know, I think obviously his right, right? He created this thing, his right. And I think for us as a security community, it's helpful, right? Because it puts an exclamation point on the end of make sure you understand what's going into your applications from a supply chain perspective. I think, I think part of the problem is that a lot of really hardworking people are now having to clean up the mess. Yeah. Right. They, they definitely have to clean up the mess. And uh, I was reading uh, recently. And by the way, I got I found another great article uh, by Axe Sharma on a bleeping computer. And all this stuff will be in the show notes. It goes into a little bit more detail. But there's also pointers to a new team that's taking over who's forked it uh, on GitHub and is now producing you know versions of these important you know utilities that don't have the mess in them. But it's like eight folks doing it. Right. Who are listed on the team. Right. So one thing that's happened is this poor guy was doing it himself. Now there's a team of people who are doing it, right? We're managing it. So that's good. It shows it's important. But at the end of the day, the organizations which have chosen really by virtue of the fact it doesn't cost anything to use these things, you know, somebody should really be asking them, is this a great idea? I'll give you a really quick example. So you you go to the restaurant and you want to have dinner. Going back to my food analogies as usual, right? So you go to a restaurant, you want to eat, and uh you get your food and you get deathly ill. And the guy comes off the back and he goes, you know, listen, this guy came by. His T-shirt said uh, dumpster diving is dope. Um, but he came to me with this package of food. And I said, sure, it's inexpensive. I, I'm not going to ask about its provenance. I'll, I'll take that chicken that, that, you know, my sense of smells whacked from COVID anyway. And so I will take that from you and I will serve it. It's not my fault. He told me it was chicken. Is it? Is it my fault? Yeah, yeah, actually, it is your fault, right? Yeah. You, you, we, we have responsibility for providence, what we use, and making sure we support the people who are developing it. So for me, I don't agree with what he did necessarily, um, but I understand why it may have been seen as sort of a, a move of last resort. Right. Check. That was that, that was me at that restaurant. I, 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 I saw the T-shirt. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think I, I think that's a good clarification. You know, I or, earlier I said I I, uh, I applaud the effort, but um, I, I think to kind of be more specific, it was um, it was a bold move that certainly got people's attention, and and I, for me, like I applaud the the boldness and that that came with it. Like this guy's clearly putting himself out there, and that in itself takes a lot of courage to do. Um, and I realized, like, y- you know, I've, I mean, I I haven't written. I haven't written code in really long time. And, but I understand today there's, um, there's a pretty big debate in the open source community as to whether, you know, whether developers should or should not be paid for the work that they put in there, you know, but, you know, in, in supporting any application that has some level of popularity and some level of dependence on something else, either like a business or another program takes a lot of effort. Like mm-hmm. maintenance and operations is like, is no joke. And you go into larger companies, there are entire teams of people that handle maintenance and operations. So, you know, to me, I'd, I, I, I do feel like there's, there's got to be a little bit of like a, a balance that's got to exist. And, you know, and, and obviously I don't, don't know anything, but 
um, you know, kind of off the cuff here, I would say, you know, people put open source code out to the GitHubs of the world. Um, and they do it for experience. They do it for the love of a specific project. They, they have their own motivations for doing it. But there's a point, there's a tipping point that exists that when that piece of software becomes popular independent, independent upon, there becomes an added level of maintenance and operations. And in those cases, it requires a different type of muscle, like a change management muscle, that is different from the muscle that was required to build it initially. And at that point, when that inflection point occurs, it seems reasonable to me that you would say, you know, you consumer of my open source goodness, I'm going to ask that you subscribe to uh, some type of um, maintenance package, right? And you pay like a small fee that covers basically the cost of maintenance and operations. And I don't, I, I don't think that's too much to ask. And in the absence of that, people using open source software, like, you know, that's, that's just the risk you take. It's like, it's like me going out to play in the highway, right? I know if, I, if, if I'm going to play Frogger in the highway, I run the risk of getting hit by a car. Yeah, let's not do that today. We get stuck. Today, <laughs> right. 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 So, I mean, we yeah. got to do this whole thing over again. Yeah, you know, really put exactly. the punctuation on Groundhog Day. Hey, listen, that, you know, I have two words for you, right, in support of what you just said. They are these. Red hat. Right? So, Linux popular, awesome, useful, begins a tsunami of open source adoption because operating systems are super complicated and Torvalds did a wonderful job of building what people could use. But if people actually wanted to use it, they're like, holy crap, where do I go for support? Who can help me understand how this is different than traditional yeah. POSIX? Blah, blah, blah. And so they create a company, which is Red Hat, which does exactly what you just described. Listen, dudes, if you're really going to use this in a setting where you want it to be reliable and predictable and supported, pony up. Right. And I think I think that what ends up happening in some of these and really for me, Justin, it's an ecosystem question. Yeah. Right. So the, the, the whole NPM thing is NPM thing is an ecosystem that supports node. You've got the same things happen in Coop. You get the same things happening in a variety of these different environments that are relatively new. People who care about it write stuff and then they get reused. But I think we have to realize that the open source community is maturing. Really brilliant yeah. people are using tools, developing really useful stuff. It's not just projects anymore. Now it's like really important stuff. And we have to have a way in which to evolve those tools, which are widely used, to something which is commercially viable. Because these teams who feel a sense of personal responsibility to support it will be like, you know, the Log4j folks who give up their weekends and their time with their families to support something they get nothing for. Or you get people who say, you know, the hell with that. I'm just going to, you know, insert infinite loops uh, that are going to print words like liberty because this is the freedom from software that works, I guess. But they do that instead. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I just think we have to come up with a new model. <clears throat> yeah, let me, um, let me ask you this. And you know, you know how I love throwing hand grenades into things. <laughs> so GitHub, yep. right? It's effectively a, a two-sided marketplace, right? And... Um, how they how they monetize it? They've they've got their own business model, but uh, GitHub is basically the transaction platform where all these exchanges happen. They have secured over three hundred and fifty million dollars of funding. Do they have an obligation to do something about it? 
to, to, to try to correct and right size this issue? I love the question. You ready for the answer? The answer <laughs> is they do not have an obligation, but I would say they have an opportunity because you're Ooh. right. That That is the appropriate place to add in this capability. So GitHub provides access to the packages. It creates a community of developers who are willing to support for a fee some of the projects that existed. This is brilliant, dude. You're pretty good. So they are willing to support projects that exist there for a fee. They work with the project owners. They work with people who want to use them. And they become sort of the red hat for this really diverse community of projects that exist under GitHub. I think it's a brilliant idea. I think you should go call them, um, get perhaps maybe only half of that $300 plus million worth of investment for your brilliant idea. Uh, and there you go. You know, maybe you can open source that idea to them. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I appreciate the way that you reframe that for me. I'm pretty sure you just you just rescued me. When I when I process this in my brain and I realize it's it's a pretty shallow pool there, but um, I I mean I would just I would also imagine this is like a Etsy opportunity for them, right? This is saying you've created a marketplace where you basically have um, sellers and buyers, right? You basically have producers of software and consumers of software. Um, there's also an opportunity for, in my opinion, for GitHub to create a framework which to create service support contracts for developers who might not have the muscle to do those sort of things and create a platform where fiscal transaction can occur that makes everybody whole and equal in this. And, and by the way, in my opinion, and I realize I don't know shit, is it could be a big, big money opportunity for GitHub, I would imagine. 100%. Hundred percent, yeah, and I, I think that's exactly the right model, right? Because unlike Etsy, if my earrings are bent and aren't the color I expected them to be, that's unfortunate. I can return them and get money back. If my software is bent and doesn't work the way I expect it to, I can't recall it off the desktops of everyone to use it. So there's this unlimited liability kind of thing. So I think this model where you create projects which are support for projects. If you think about it that way, if we stick to religiously to the GitHub model, I think it's a great idea. And I think it really is a revenue generating opportunity for the folks at GitHub. Yeah, sweet. Sold. All right. All right. Gonna... So we're going to get out of Groundhog Day then, right? <laughs> we're going to interrupt this vicious cycle of open source and disillusionment and badness. Rinse, repeat. Yep. So we'll, we're going to start this one over again. Cool. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to jump out of a shallow pool into the street. <laughs> All right. All right, Jack, we should, we, we should wrap this one up. I'm, sh I'm sure Holly's begging for us to stop at this point. And <laughs> she's, she's nodding yeah. her head, yes. <laughs> Sweet. All right. If you need uh, cybersecurity help, got great ideas, topics you want to talk about, Jack and I just want someone to drink some whistle pig whiskey with. Uh, you, can right. <laughs> you can reach. This is whistle big day. <laughs> you can reach us at pwned at newharborsecurity.com. And uh, Jack, this was uh, this is this is a fun one off the cuff here. So uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll catch you later.